1 through 14, and this week we'll conclude, but let's read God's word again, Psalm 31, which begins with the inscription, for the choir director, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul, and you have not given me over into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. Because of my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I'm cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong 
And let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do delight to draw near to you, our refuge, our rock, and our redeemer. We delight to sing your praises, to draw near to you through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he's the only reason that we can take refuge in you. Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul on you. You are good to us, you are compassionate, you are gracious, you are long-suffering, and we thank you that we can gather to listen to what your word says. Father, I pray for help that it would be correctly interpreted and correctly applied, that you would get all the glory, that your people would be sanctified, that even sinners would be converted to you. And Lord, we even pray for all those tracks that went out in Stilicum on Tuesday. Nearly 1,000, Lord, would you save sinners. Lord, thank you for the conversations, and may people come to know you. For Lord, we confess, such were some of us. But we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but you caused us to be alive in Christ our Savior. We thank you in his name. Amen. Have you noticed lately that your lawn or maybe your neighbor's lawn is getting yellow? If you drive through my neighborhood, you'll see yellow on mine. I seek to water my lawn, but it still gets yellow. If you drive down the highway and you look in along the edge, the on-ramp or the, uh, the median area, you'll see this yellow dead grass. And in a few weeks, most everyone's lawns will be dead because the grass is parched. It needs water. Maybe that's how you felt this week. Maybe you faced a trial and you felt wet, excuse me, you felt dry and needed to have water. You might have felt, or maybe this morning, you even feel spiritually parched. Does your soul thirst for God, for the living God? May you find in Psalm 63, Psalm 31, excuse me, these waters of refreshment in Psalm 63, 1 said similar words about thirsting for the living God. Here we have as our title in part two, the same phrase, the Lord our strong refuge. May we find our refreshment, our, our spiritual watering as we draw near to the Lord our strong refuge, as we read in Psalm 46. The Lord is our refuge, and we need to run to Him over and over and over again. He is abundantly available, and He is marvelous in His grace to us. I read one author regarding the the Hebrew poetry, Bullock, and he said, In the arena of faith, the book of Psalms has been a cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night for God's people. And as I encouraged you last week, please read the Psalms. The Psalms can be that that pillar through the day and that pillar of fire by night to illuminate our path, to give us words to fill our prayers with and to teach us about our great God. Thus again, the Lord, our strong refuge. We'll begin at verse 15, this incredible phrase. And don't forget all that we mentioned last week and what we read earlier in Psalm 31 about the darkness that David was facing. He was this man who was forgotten as dead, a broken vessel. Remember that context as we now transition 
to a little bit of a different emphasis. You'll hear some of it, but verse 15 begins, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. My times, or as one called them, the the current events of our lives. The everyday events of your life and mine are in the hand of God. One author translates it this way, In your hands is my future. We could say past, present, and future were and are in the hands of our God. All that we've faced and even all the difficulties that David had prayed out to God, they were in his hands. My times are in your hands. Whatever disaster or difficulties we face, they are in God's hands. Yet, David said, deliver me. So lesson one of seven is this. Confidence in God's absolute sovereignty does not hinder prayer, rather it helps it. Confidence in God's absolute sovereignty does not hinder prayer, rather it helps it. He says, my times are in your hands. Hand. And there's no period but a semicolon in English. Then deliver me. God, you're sovereign, yet deliver me. Though you are absolutely sovereign in all my times and all that is happening to me, even my persecutions, they're in your hands. I still ask you for deliverance. You may have a disease. I think by the time we're 40, we all have at least one. These bodies are weak and frail. You surely have discouragements, young and old. We have these burdens. Yet God is on His throne decreeing whatsoever comes to pass, and we don't just stop there, we pray. Yes, God is sovereign, but we pray fervently. We cry out to Him for rescue from the hands of enemies or whatever's troubling us. And it's interesting, as I tried to emphasize, my times are in your hand, deliver me from their hand. It's all part of God's decree. Listen to Psalm 139. In your book were written, were all written the days that were ordained for me. Just some of them? Just the good times? Just the happy times? No. In your book book were all written, it's a strange English uh, translation here, in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. That's almost a commentary on my times are in your hand. God has ordered and decreed before time, before time was even made, He decreed whatever would come to pass in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we can... Reflect on God's absolute sovereignty, even over suffering. Know that He's in control, and yet pray for deliverance. Yes, He is sovereign, but yes, we pray, and we're taught over and over again, all through the Bible, that that's the truth of Scripture. Spurgeon said that providence is a soft pillow for anxious heads. If we become anxious, we can lay our head on the pillow of God's sovereignty, and yet pray to Him for help. Ecclesiastes put it this way, In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider God has made one as well as the other. 
And you can look at Job 5.18 or 12.16, which have similar descriptions that, that even the misled and the misleader are both in the hand of God. Whatever comes to pass, the good and the bad are in the hand of God, and your times and my times are in his hand. Therefore, we cry out for deliverance. There's no contradiction between believing in God's absolute sovereignty and pouring out our hearts to get help from him. May God help us to believe in his absolute sovereignty and to pray fervently. That's what David did. Verse 16, he continues, Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. We were just singing, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. God's loving kindness, the loving kindness found in Christ, Christ's love for us is profound. And David cried out, Shine forth, reveal yourself to me, show me your smile. He cried out that God would, like the sun coming out on a gloomy day, we get plenty of those in Washington, and when it's so gloomy and the clouds part and the sun just beams down, he wanted to see God in that way. He wanted to see God shine forth and give heat and encouragement and ultimately to save him. The Puritan David Dixon said, When the cloud of trouble hideth the Lord's favor, faith knoweth it will shine again. I'm glad we don't have to speak that way anymore, but I seek to keep the original uh, translation there of David Dixon. When the clouds of trouble hide God's favor, faith knoweth it may shine again. David said, I'm a broken vessel, yet... He cries out, make your face shine and save me in your loving kindness. He comes back to God and argues his loving kindness. We mentioned it last time. We said argue God's character back to him. And David, one of many times, as a matter of fact, can you guess how many times the word loving kindness is found in the Psalms? 121 times. And John mentioned an a ancient heretic a few weeks ago, Marcion, who said the God of the old and the God of the new are two different gods. Well, he was wrong for many reasons, but one reason he was wrong is because the God of the Old Testament was the God of loving kindness. And the God of the New Testament is the God of loving kindness. And the Psalms reveal that 121 times the psalmist reflect on the character of God, particularly his loving kindness, his faithful covenant love. We need to do the same thing and cry out and again argue God's character back. Save me, Lord, because of your loving kindness. Lord, give me grace at work today because you are the God of grace. Lord, help me to be patient because you are the God of patience. Lord, save my friend that I spoke to because you are the God of mercy, the God of salvation. Argue his character back. Plead his character back to him. And we have to know God. We need our theology to know who God is. And the Psalms are great for that, to teach us who God is. David needed to be rescued from his enemies, so he continues in verse 17 and 18, pleading, Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent and show. Let The lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous 
with pride and contempt. David had a multitude of enemies. The foreign nations that he battled, the Goliaths of the world, the Philistines, and yet in his own house, he had Absalom, he had others. And ultimately, all of that turmoil would lead after Solomon became king to a divided monarchy. It was a mess. He had enemies within and without. So he cries out, Lord, give me victory. Stop the enemy. This, these two verses have a lot of parallel statements. Did you catch them? He says several times, let me, let me, let them. And then he says, don't put me to shame, put them to shame. And even possibly a parallel, I call upon you, but silence them. I call upon you, but let their lips be mute. Some Hebrew parallelism here in his prayer. He petitioned the Lord for help. He kept asking that God would close the mouths of the wicked because he was under attack. We rejoice that we don't have the same types of enemies, but we have many enemies. We have temptation. We have the devil and his minions. We have the world that tempts us. And we can even say, Lord, silence it all. Or even lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one and the evil lips. Silence it all, Lord. So David has been persecuted. He has been attacked. He's been discouraged and despondent. And then we come to verse 19. All of the pressures that he was under formed with intense heat and the pressures of his life, I would refer to verse 19 as this diamond that has been formed and and comes forward to us After all this, I was half dead, he says, yet, verse 19, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. There's two ways that God's goodness is poured out. One, it's stored up, and then it is wrought, it is given. God's goodness to us. How abundant is your goodness. Pause for a moment and just reflect, dear saints, lesson two, dwell much on God's great goodness for you. Brothers and sisters, dwell much on God's great goodness for you. We were singing it just a few moments ago. Why was I made to be a guest? Lord, such were some of you. That was me. We heard about in Corinthians all those particular sins that were described, God delivered us from them. He has given us His goodness. He saved us. How long-suffering He's been with us. Even this week, He's been so patient. He's been so kind. He's heaped grace upon grace. He gives a greater grace to us. For those who fear Him, for those who take refuge, He has this Abundant, great goodness. Consider it. Meditate upon the goodness of God. I love Psalm 119. The Lord is good and does good. Do simply a a search through your concordance or your app on the goodness of God. The goodness of God is precious and it's even used as a summary of all that He is when He proclaimed His name to Moses. And his goodness passed by and he proclaimed his name to him. 
This refuge, again, I love the word refuge. Do you need a refuge? Do you need a place to hide? Do you need a place to run? If you don't need a refuge, there's there's something wrong. We all need a refuge. We need a place to hide from the pressures of life, the difficulties within and without. Lord, I run to you. I hide in you. I depend upon you. God gives us this goodness. Psalm 73.1 Surely God is good to Israel. And then the qualifier to those who are pure in heart. It's similar here. We see His great goodness to those who fear Him. To those who take refuge in Him. And where does He do it? Before the sons of men. It's on display. God's goodness to His people is on display before the world. God gives hope in a hopeless situation. God gives encouragement in a discouraging situation. The Lord piles blessings upon His people even though His enemies were cursing them. And The devil attacks us, yet God encourages us as our refuge. Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me, how long? All the days of my life. Saints, dwell much on God's great goodness for you. We get discouraged because we take our eye off of that truth. We were looking at ourselves, we're looking at our work, our family troubles, our societal troubles. We need to look up and have our vertical relationship with God corrected to find encouragement. There's a lot to pull us down in this world. Isn't it true? There's a lot to discourage us. Again, within, we have too much remaining sin. If we look there too long, we'll be utterly discouraged. Yet when we look to our God and His goodness, we find encouragement and hope. So meditate upon it. Dwell upon it. Think about and pray it even back to Him. How great is your goodness which you've stored up for your people. Hymn number 18 in our hymnal by uh, William Keith and Thomas Ken, one of the lines is, Praise, Lord and bless His name always. Then later, for why? The Lord our God is good. His mercy is forever. There's always reason to praise God because of His goodness. How great is your goodness. Praise Him. The Lord's goodness provides fuel for passionate worship. Fuel for praise, and more of that in a moment in verse 21. But he continues about God's goodness in verse 20. He said, you hide them, that is your people, in the secret place of your presence. From the conspiracies of man. Conspiracies are nothing new. We we read about them from the very beginning. That evil foe, that snake, our enemy, the devil... And then sin and sinners ever since, the conspiracies of men. Lord, you hide your people in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues, from those quarrelsome tongues. There's a, you can see it in English, but in Hebrew as well. There's this, uh, parallel phrases and words, hiding, uh, secret place and secretly it's a place of intimacy, a place of protection. We're covered by the Lord in this secret shelter. 
It's like when we were kids, maybe you had a secret fort out in the forest. God brings us in and we hide in Him. It's an intimate place, a special place where we run and hide in Him. Lesson three, the Lord is the hiding place for His helpless people. If you're not helpless, you probably don't need to hide there. God is very able to make us desperate. And it's grievous that when things are good, we should still run to Him as our hiding place. But if you've experienced any difficulties, and if you've lived long, surely you have, whether pain in your body, whether grief from family or friends or at work or wherever, and you need a place to hide, the Lord is the hiding place for His helpless people. Run there often. Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. Maybe you've already thought of it. Some of us read uh, Cory Timboom, the hiding place. Yes, they hid Jews uh, during the Holocaust, and yet their hiding place was in God. That's where her faith and the faith of her family was in God. They were hiding in God. And God used them for great things, but boy, did they suffer greatly. Yet to the very end, they hid in the hiding place. And if you want to be disturbed with some gruesome details of what God's people have went through, read the hiding place. And yet the glories, and even when the bugs were in their beds, and and the lice, and the violence of other humans around them, they found repose in the secret hiding place of their God. Let us run there all the time. Let us live in our God who is our hiding place. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. David hid in the Lord from the conspiracies of man, from the strife-filled mouths of his enemies. He was hurt by those words, yet he was protected in God, and, and, and ultimately those words were powerless to harm him. I think it was Adoniram Judson, as we read in the men's meeting, who, who, was, who, who could not be killed until God took him. We're impenetrable until God takes us to heaven, and ultimately our soul is protected in this secret place of God's presence. Maybe you've heard the phrase shelter in place in some in some bad ways, but if there's a maybe you were growing up in high school or elementary school and if there's a nuclear alert, you shelter in place, you hide under your desk, what good that would do, we don't know. But it's a bit funny, but we shelter in God continuously. Maybe you've been out uh, hiking or, or backpacking and there's a big thunderstorm and the rain is heavy. If you have a small tent, you can get out of that rain and find shelter. Even in you military guys, a GP tiny or, or a, some type of tent, you can hide in a shelter or a lean-to. And that's where we need to find ourselves on a daily basis, hiding in and under our God. Where are you taking shelter? Are you hiding in your Lord? We can run to many things. The world is loaded. And as, as Tom has mentioned many times, 
This phone is always available as a refuge, but it will not save us. It will not help us. It will not rescue us. There can be a temporary relief momentarily, but that and all things are no sure refuge for our soul. Only the Lord is our true hiding place. We sing, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Praise the Lord for great hymns that are full of the truth of the Bible. And that's what the Psalms taught those hymn writers, and we have them. Well, David continues, as we mentioned earlier, to break into praise, verse 21. He begins praising the Lord with the words, Blessed be the Lord, for He has made marvelous His loving kindness to me in a besieged city. Despite all that David went through, despite how bad he felt, and he was miserable, he was the object of dread, people fled from him, he was a broken vessel, yet he blesses God and says his loving kindness is marvelous. Lesson four. The Lord often reveals his love most marvelously in the midst of trials. Isn't it true? The Lord often reveals His love most marvelous, marvelously in the midst of great trials. This word marvelous could be surpassing. His loving kindness is surpassing. His loving kindness is extraordinary. His loving kindness is wonderful. The NIV, His wonderful love. David blessed the Lord for His faithful covenant love Chesed, as we mentioned 121 times in the Psalms, his covenantal love for his people, it was shown to be marvelous. So David had to praise God. He blessed the Lord and he saw God's marvelous, great loving kindness. Psalm 30, verse 5, the second part says, Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. He was suffering greatly, yet here he says, bless the Lord. His loving kindness is marvelous. Spurgeon said, our weakness, our weakness unstrings our harps, but his strength tunes them anew. Our weakness unstrings our harps, but his strength tunes them anew. Sometimes, some days, some hours, we are downtrodden, we are despondent, we are discouraged, we feel hopeless. But then as our eyes go up to our God and we start to stand in His strength and we start to hide in Him, our praise is tuned. We can sing praise to God because we see, actually it's not that bad because I'm in His hand. I'm leaning on those everlasting arms. The Lord often reveals His love most marvelously in the midst of great trials. What about you? Was there a time in your life when maybe you were near death? Maybe you were utterly down in the dumps and the Lord just gave you a verse or revealed Himself and a particular truth about Himself that was marvelous. His love, His grace, His mercy... Sometimes it's smaller incidents. I was traveling a few months back 
and I was nervous about going to a big meeting, and I shared this with some of you men, and the Lord put me in a taxi cab where the guy was a believer. And by the end of that taxi cab drive, we were singing praise to God in the taxi. It was a miracle. The Lord met me in my discouragement and lifted me up. When we're most down, we can be most lifted up if our eyes get on our God and see His mercy and His marvelous loving kindness. Do we speak of God that way? Do we speak of His loving kindness as marvelous? We need to, because it is. Again, reflect and remember where and how God showed you His marvelous loving kindness. Here, He adds on at the end, He saw it in a besieged city. What does a besieged city look like? It's under attack. There's, there's bombs and missiles and arrows, whatever, bullets flying into that city. It's under attack. But even under an attack, in an attack situation, in an area of vulnerability, that's where he saw God's loving kindness. Sometimes it's, it's always right there. We just need eyes to see it. We need to open our eyes or look up and, and David, uh, his vision got blurred at times. We're going to hit that here in the next verse. As David reflected back on how he felt in the midst of his trials, the despair he experienced, experienced, he felt forsaken by God. Verse 22, he's going back in time and sort of a confession. As for me, I said in my alarm or my panic, I'm cut off from, from before your eyes. I'm cut off from the Lord. Then that beautiful word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. I believe David is confessing his sin. He's confessing the sin of panic, the sin of anxiety, the sin of worry. Because he thought God had forsaken him. His faith got blurred. His glasses were dirty. He had to clean off his glasses so he could see that God is hearing my prayers. God did hear. He was alarmed. He was panicked. He was in confusion, the Arabic translation. I love the honesty of the Psalms. David is very honest. We saw in last study that he confessed his sin. Verse 10, my strength has failed. Why? Because of my iniquity. We see here that he said in his alarm, I'm cut off from the Lord. The Lord's forsaken me. I have no hope. He's confessing it. He was being real, as we say. He was being very real. And sometimes David is so honest, we're like, wow, could you actually say that to God? He was very honest in his prayer and praises. And we're thankful because we are the recipients and we can learn how to pray honestly to God. That's how I felt. I felt, and David felt like, I'm cut off before God. God's not listening. Nevertheless, nevertheless, though I was faithless, you were faithful to hear my prayer. Lesson five. Unbelief is full of bitterness. But answered prayer is sweet. Unbelief will create and is full of bitterness, but answered prayer is sweet. Is it not? Yes. That's why we pray and that's why we look and we recount and we remember the answers to our prayers. 
Sometimes on Wednesday nights, sometimes in your own prayer life. Thank you, Lord, you helped me through this. Thank you for helping brother or sister so-and-so. Thank you, Lord, that you heard us. Thank you, Lord, that you preserved us. It's sweet. But if we're saying God doesn't hear, God is not with me, I'm hopeless, that leads to bitterness. Unbelief is full of bitterness. Therefore, let your trials drive you to God in prayer because He hears and answers. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. That's when our glasses get clean and we can say, yes, I'm looking to you, Lord, amidst my weakness, amidst my frailty, amidst my unbelief in my sins. I'm turning from that and I'm looking to you and I see that you hear and you answer prayer. And we find that sweetness. God rewards those who trust in Him. If you're stuck in the place of unbelief, like the slew of despond that John Bunyan writes about that Christian fell and got stuck in, and maybe he was so despondent because he had unbelief. We can get down and depressed, and maybe the cause of depression is unbelief. We need to confess it as sin and trust God. Trust God with our prayers. He answers them. The Lord not only hears, but He answers In light of this and in spite of all that David experienced, he, he wants to call out to his brothers and sisters, I love your church, O God. David felt the same way about his fellow believing Israelites. In verse 23, O love the Lord, all you his godly ones. Join with me. You've heard my story, how pitiful I was. I was sinful. I was in trouble because of my sin. I was in trouble because of my adversaries. I was so discouraged. I thought that God had deserted me, but He actually heard my prayer. He helped me. He's my hiding place, my rock, my strong refuge. Therefore, oh, love the Lord, all you His godly ones. Hear what He did for me and love the Lord. And we could almost have in parentheses, therefore, the Lord preserves or protects the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Oh, love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Remember, the life of faith is never lived lived alone. Never forsake the church or the people of God. We need each other, and this is just a hint. In Psalm 16, I believe, verse 2 as for the saints on the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. That's why we have a hymn like, I love your church, O God. We're not meant to be alone. I read the proverb this week, a fool goes off alone. The fool goes off alone. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. We need one another and the Psalms reveal that because worship is a corporate event. And we go through the Christian life as a body. Oh, love the Lord, all you His godly ones. He calls them to love God because of what He's just proclaimed and this truth that He mentions. Therefore, lesson six, love the Lord because He is a gracious preserver and a just judge. That's what the verse says. 
love the Lord because he preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Love the Lord because he is a gracious preserver and a just judge. Breaking it down a bit. Preserves. He he watches over. He guards. He keeps us. The Lord is our great watcher. The Lord is our great guard. He's always on duty. He's always watching over us. He's always keeping us, guarding us, preserving us so graciously. He's so kind. Reminds us of Psalm 121. Again, how many times has the Lord preserved you and me from tragedy? Physically, morally, spiritually. If I would have went down that path, what would have happened? could be a car accident. It could be anything. He preserves us. He watches over us. He keeps us from apostasy. He keeps us from falling away because left to ourselves, we would. The Lord is a gracious preserver. Love Him for it, brothers and sisters. Also, He's a just judge. He will punish, fully punish. Did you notice the phrase, fully recompense the proud doer? He will fully punish the proud. The NIV again says, but the proud, he pays back in full. I like the translation there. But the proud, he pays back in full because he's a just judge. I think of uh, James 4.6. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A quote, by the way, from Psalm 138.6. God is opposed to the proud, the opposition of God against the proud and arrogant. Therefore, we love God. But he gives grace to the humble or preserves the faithful. Love the Lord, brothers and sisters, because he's a gracious preserver and a just judge. Love him. Love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And finally, he comes to the end, verse 24. Don't be alarmed or panic, panic as David did, as he mentioned in verse 22. But finally, in conclusion to all that he prayed and sang and said, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. What a great verse echoing other parts of Scripture. Another translation has it this way, Be strong and take heart, all you who are waiting on the Lord. The final lesson is this, number seven, because the Lord is your strong refuge, be strong and courageous. Because the Lord is your strong refuge, be strong and courageous. Or as Paul said in Corinthians, stand firm in the faith, act like men, Be strong. I read the words that God told Joshua in Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous for I am with you. It's a theme that is echoed throughout the Bible. Not just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. He is your strong refuge. In ourselves, we're weak as water. We're nothing. We're like grasshoppers. But God is our rock and our refuge so we can be strong in Him. So whatever trial you're facing, whatever difficulty, and David had a whole bunch of them here, stand in your Lord and your strong refuge and then be courageous. 
May the Lord grant that we would not be weak in the face of difficulties, but that we would have faith and stand in our strong refuge, not cowering, but have courage. That's the call of verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in or wait for the Lord. Well, in review, since we have a few moments, we sought to learn today Confidence in God's absolute sovereignty does not hinder prayer, but it rather helps it. Second, saints dwell much on God's great goodness for you. When you get down and discouraged this week or even this afternoon, just take a moment and meditate and think about God's great goodness for you. Lesson three, the Lord is the hiding place for his helpless people. Run to him. Hide in Him. He is your hiding place. Lesson four, the Lord often reveals His love most marvelously in the midst of great trials. If you're going into a great trial, know that the Lord will most likely reveal Himself in such a special way, in such a mighty way. And I've heard many of you testify that you may be in a trial now, but the Lord is faithful. But the Lord upheld me. But the Lord encouraged me. But the Lord brought this scripture to mind and I'm, I'm getting through. It's hard. It's painful. But the Lord is my God. Fifth, unbelief is full of bitterness, but answered prayer is sweet. Resist unbelief. Put it to death. Have believing prayer and find sweetness to your soul. Sixth, love the Lord because he is a gracious preserver and a just judge. Love him. Seven, because the Lord is your strong refuge, be strong and courageous by the grace of God and in the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are our strong refuge, that you drew us with cords of love in Christ. You gave us this beautiful identity because, Lord's What we were, we were hopeless, we were dead, we were wicked, slaves of sin, but you freed us in Christ. Thank you, Lord. May we persevere, may we be men and women, boys and girls who are strong in the Lord, that we would be courageous, not in our own strength, but in yours. Lord, you are abundantly available, you are our strong refuge. Lord, may we have great faith in these days. May we remember answered prayer and find that sweetness. We thank you that we can hide in you. You are our secret hiding place, Lord. Be near to us. Encourage your people here, Lord. There are many burdens, many pains, many heartaches, many griefs. We roll them to you and cast ourselves upon you, our great God. For Christ's sake, amen.